Good evening, everybody. We are here. We are locked in, and we have all the time in the world because <laughs> we have nowhere to go. <laughs> and uh, 67 Q&A, yeah. and we have lots of questions today. I don't know whether we'll be able to finish them, and uh, but we trust God we'll be able to as many as possible, and uh, we trust God for the answers, that the answers will scripturally be right, and uh, it'll edify you. We just thank God for all the questions you send, because it does not answer one person, it answers a lot of people. Amen. Yes, Pastor Vijay, could you lead in prayer and then... <clears throat> Father in heaven, we just want to thank you, Father, for this day that you've given to us. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity once again, O Lord, to come and minister to your people, O Lord, through this Q&A session. Thank you, Father, for all the questions that your people have sent from all around the world. Thank you, Father, for every one of them, O Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, for their faithfulness, O Lord. And thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that they've been faithful all these days, O Lord, week after week. And Lord, even as we go about this session, I pray, Lord, that you would grant us all the spirit of wisdom and revelation, anoint your servant, Father, afresh this evening, O Lord, and all of us, anoint us and teach us your ways, show us your paths, O Lord, and lead us into the way of everlasting life. We thank you. We commit this entire time into your hands. Be with all the sound system and all the internet and every transmission, O Lord Jesus. Be with, be a, by faith, we apply the blood of Jesus over all the gadgets that you have given to us, O Lord, and let everything that we do, O Lord, bring glory to your name. We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory for in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Pastor, we'll start with question number two, Pastor. Uh, it says, um, in Psalm 88, uh, is that one of the darkest Psalms, unlike other Psalms, that may start on a note of agony but ends with hope. Psalm 88 concludes with a gasping tone. Is it because the old covenant saints did not have the Holy Spirit or resurrection power in them to overcome like new covenant believers? What are the striking differences between heroes of Old Covenant and us? Uh, well, uh, the answer is there in the question itself. One of the striking differences is that it's not that they did not have the Holy Spirit. It is they were not born of the Spirit. They had the Holy Spirit. Mm. The Holy Spirit came upon them. But they were not uh, born of the Spirit and the second thing, which is that, the resurrection power. Mm. They only saw the resurrection as an event in the future, in the future. Though Jesus Christ was the lamb that was slain before, yet for us who are caught in time, like God is outside time, we are caught in time, time matters. Yes. You cannot experience something in its fullness that is going to happen in the future. In the future. Like as far as we are concerned, New Jerusalem is in the future. Yes. Now we can think about it, meditate upon it, maybe have a vision or a dream, but we cannot experience it mm. until we are outside this time. So in the same way, they are so old covenant. Resurrection yeah, resurrection. they are all old covenant people. Mm. So what spoke for them? The blood of goats and bulls mm. and sheep. What speaks for us? The blood of Jesus. Okay, so though we know spiritually, positionally, Jesus died before the... Um, foundation, foundation of this world. If you look at our time in which we live, okay, that earthbound, we are earthbound people, what happens is that 
they didn't understand the cross. That's yes. why no old covenant um, saint ever understood the cross. Mm. They couldn't explain ICF 53 at all. They saw, but what did they understand? Yes. Like even when we read the book of Revelation and we talk about Revelation 21 and 22, what do we understand? What do we understand? It's just like a picture, like you see on TV or uh, uh, Gaza City under attack, Tel Aviv under attack. But you go over there and see the picture is completely different. You are there, just flashes you see over there. So, And what we see in Revelation 21 and 22 is not even a flash of an image. Mm. Each one will think about it differently. Because there is no picture given over there which we can discern with our senses. Mm. So, old covenant saints were caught before the cross. So, it had its limitations. Yet, what you see common between them and us is faith. Faith. Faith is the same. Mm. So, faith is what made them, many of them, more superior than us. More superior than us. Mm. Okay? So, where we lack compared to them is faith. But the difference is that also when you look at the difference of the old covenant and the new covenant, like we look, wow, I want to do stuff like Moses and Elijah and all. But remember, all the acts of the great leaders in Israel's history is connected with the physical land. They were given a land, they had to possess the land, they had to keep the land. So those acts were connected with that. Now, we want to replicate that. That's not going to happen in the new covenant. This is where people get it wrong. Oh, Moses parted the Red Sea. How come nobody parts the Red Sea? But what do you want to part the Red Sea for? <laughs> what do you want to part the Red Sea for? Okay. Joshua killed. You really want to kill in the new covenant? We don't want to kill anybody in the new covenant. We want to save people. So there's a complete paradigm shift over there. Yes. Complete shift. And that's where we have to get our, this thing. Yet if you look at the new covenant, what new covenant believers do and can do, they were not able to do. They couldn't cast out tongues. Yes, yes. They never spoke in tongues. They never spoke in tongues. And uh, very few prophets could heal the sick, but here it is given to anybody Everybody who believes. believes. So you will see the new covenant changes completely. So we have to learn the lessons from the Old Testament and don't want to replicate them. You don't want the sun to stand still and all that. No, people will lose their salary and their jobs and all. No, we don't want those things happening because time has to move on. Joshua is fighting a battle. No, I want to do like this. Stop. No, what for? What do you want to stop the sun for? And as such, we have enough trouble with the climate. We don't want more creating this thing. So we have to look at those pictures, you know, Imagine when Joshua stopped the sun and the moon. We have no record of what people around the world were going through, what is happening with nobody's. But God did it for a man. Okay, because he did it for this nation. So we have to be very careful. But primarily the difference is that the, the simple, the most of, I quote, example of the difference is the last of the greats of the Old Testament is John, John the Baptist. Baptist. And his reaction when he's put into Amen. prison. That's the point, yes. And Paul and Silas' reaction, reaction. of Peter when they are put in prison. Yes. You see the, this incredible difference. Shift. Difference, okay? You see that shift. Mm -hmm. And what's the difference? The difference is the resurrection power. Right. For them, death was an end. Mm. It was an end. And they really were not very sure what happens after death. 
They had a rough idea about God, heaven, paradise, and all, but they did all. We have a very clear, for us, death is not an end. Mm. Death is the actual beginning. Yes, actually, know? in Romans chapter 8, uh, Paul yeah. says, all day we are counted as sheep for the mm. slaughter, mm. but even though yeah. the old covenant saint says mm. this, mm. we are more than conquerors, more, in, and then nothing will separate things, us from the Lord. Right? That is a things, different. Yeah. They didn't know that. They, 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 know they had that. the limitation. So when the Spirit of God spoke to them, a lot of stuff, when he spoke through them, like we were looking in the morning message, the veil was over their face. Mm. They could not understand. But they were speaking for our sake. Yes. That's why we understand the Old Testament in so many ways better than them. Yeah. Better than them. For them, it's just history. But for them, it is something of spiritual lessons you are learning. Like, like when the morning... A simple guy like Stephen, mm. I was thinking about it, mm. the exposition of Exodus chapter 3, three yeah. it was given to a simple well, guy called Stan. He was able to see able the, spirit, to see. In the yeah. spirit and such What he's detail. able to see, which they did not understand. Exactly, they then. couldn't understand all those stuff was happening. So, it is the letter, but we have both the letter and the spirit. They had only the letter. Amen. <clears throat> okay, Pastor. So, there's so many questions on tongues, Pastor. Okay. So, I think we should... Uh, if you can put question number four onwards, okay? So that seven, four, seven, five, and yeah, and onwards. yeah, four, four, four is four. four yeah, okay. uh, I have a following query about the gift of tongues. Okay. How could praying this in is tongues? This from JTC Ranchi, okay. How could praying praying in tongues be for self edification when Scripture says that the spiritual gifts are for the edification of the church and not self? Sammy, can you just put that question number four, please, on on online? Here as well. Mm. It's coming? Okay. Mm. Okay, then. Mm. And uh, the following question is, how can praying in tongues be a private prayer language if the gift of tongues is a sign to unbelievers? It's according Corinth. to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 22. And also another question, the Bible makes it clear that not everyone possesses a gift of tongues. How could gift of tongues be a, uh, how could tongues be a gift for self-edification if not every believer can possess it? Do we not all need to be edified? Okay. First, this is based on the, uh, if you go to the question where you are asking, you know, if you are asking uh, from 1 Corinthians 12.7. Yeah, 12.7. Okay. There you are talking about, Sammy, nothing is coming on the screen. I cannot see it, yeah. Yeah. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. This mm-hmm. is the general, see, 12, 13, and 14, actually, 14, 12 also, 13 also talks about tongues, 14. But there is, the whole context you are talking about here is ministry. Okay, its context is talking about ministry. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. That's the big picture. It is to profit everybody. You have to look at the big picture. And from there we'll go into, into details, okay? If you go to chapter 12 and verse 11, it says, as the Spirit wills. Mm. Okay? We, we can put 11 and 12, okay? One and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Mm. You can desire, but He gives it to you. Mm. Okay? For as the body is one, has many, but okay, okay, that's fine. Okay, that's fine. Um, in 1 Corinthians 14, when it comes to 1 Corinthians 14, it's basically talking about the church as a context. Mm. Okay, church as a context. In the church as a context, it is talking about not the personal use, it is talking about the 
public use. Talking about the public use. So if you want to, um, like, if the rhetorical question uh, that sister asks is that if it is for the profit of all, uh, be self-edification when scripture says the spiritual gifts are the edification of the church and not self. Let me ask you this question. I am ill. And I have the gift of healing. Should I lay hands upon myself and pray or not? Yes. Okay, no, I cannot do that because I'm edifying myself. I should be only edifying others. No, it doesn't work that way. Mm. If I edify myself, I edify others. Mm. Okay? I am able to edify others. So self-edification does not mean you are not. Actually, all the people who ministers are the ones who edified themselves. Mm. If they don't edify themselves, how can they edify others? Like if I do not know myself first, how can I give it to others? Mm. I cannot give something to somebody which I do not have. Mm. I need to have first before I can give it to somebody else. So it, it is not contradicting each other. But here, when it is talking about public use, if you come to words 14, okay, chapter 14, Corinthians, chapter 14, chapter 14 verse, okay, verse 22. you have to understand the difference between a public use and a private use. Okay. Chapter 14 and verse 14. Verse 14 okay. also. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Now, who's talking about that? This is Paul talking about. Now, <coughs> All speaking is not praying, but all praying is speaking. Mm. You're getting the picture? Mm -hmm. Now we are talking about speaking in tongues. We are talking about praying in tongues. When you are speaking in tongues in a public context in a church, the Bible insists that should be interpretation. Interpretation. Mm. Because you're not praying, you're speaking. Mm. It's a message. So if you look at it over there, no, if you go to chapter 14, And verse 26. Okay. What then shall be, brothers, when you come together, everyone has a hymn, okay, has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. So all these things are put together for public use over there. Mm. Okay. So you are not praying in tongues, you're speaking in tongues. You're speaking in tongues. But when you're speaking in tongues, in the public use, the Bible is saying that there should be interpretation. If there is no interpretation, you should not be speaking in tongues. But Paul here, on the other side, he's talking about praying, praying in, tongues. in tongues. He says, when I pray in tongues, I don't understand. I don't understand. Let's go to chapter 14 again, okay? <clears throat> so we'll understand. Verse 2. 14 and verse 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Mm. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, comfort to men. So we have two different things. Okay? Yeah, is there any issues there? No, okay, okay. Um, uh, you see, we have, we have a t- dual life. <coughs> okay? Which is part of the whole. One is love God with all your heart, all your mind, with all your strength. The other is love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. So I talk to God and I talk to man. Mm, yes. Okay? Okay, I talk to God and I talk to man. So when it is talking about, about tongues, there is a tongue where you speak to God. Okay? But you, if I speak to man in tongues, he does not understand. So he is not edified. He is not profited. 
here edification also used the meaning is that it does not profit him. Anything that I do to you should profit you. If it's not profiting you, it is waste. Mm. Okay, let's say I have come back from Bhutan and I give Peter and Sami 100 uh, nugul trumps. That's a Bhutanese currency. They will, what they will do if they are not collectors of currency, then they, what are they going to do with it? <laughs> say, okay, it is nice. You cannot exchange here because nobody will take a Bhutanese note. It's par with the Indian. Nobody will take it over here. It's got <laughs> like a dollar you can exchange. The Bhutanese currency, you can know. Um, currency exchange fellow will tag that. So what is that useful? It is not useful. So they will say, you know what, Pastor, uh, how much this is worth? I will say 100 Pastor, why don't you keep this and give us 100 rupees? Okay? Very true. Okay? So you see, that's basically talking about when I speak in tongues, I'm speaking to God. When I'm speaking, you know, prophesying, I'm speaking in a language which they understand. It, so he says, if you speak in tongues, then there should be interpretation. So the hearer is in, hearer is Edified. Edified. But it is not taking out the other thing that you pray in tongues. If you come to verse 4. Verse 4 of 14. Chapter 14, verse 4. Okay? 3 and 4 actually goes, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. That's enough. 4 is enough. For he who prophesies edifies the church. Hmm. Okay? So he prays in uh, tongues. What does he do? He edifies himself. He edifies himself. While he prophesies edifies the church. So when he is praying himself, though he does not understand, his spirit is being built. His mind, Paul makes it very clear, I don't understand. Okay, So he says, I pray with understanding and I pray. He says, I sing in the spirit and I sing in with understanding. Okay, So you have praying in tongues, speaking in tongues, and you have singing in tongues. So we need to understand, if you do not understand the context, we will misread the whole thing. Because what is happening is, there's a rhetorical question he asked there in uh, Corinthians, um, if I'm right. Uh, it was there in the question. Let me, let me get to Corinthians. Very, uh, it, this is in chapter 12, okay? Verse 29 and 30. Or you can just have 30. Okay, 12, 29, 30. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Okay, it's a rhetorical, rhetorical question. And we need to look at it and say, yeah, actually not. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Now, you need to go back and rewrite the question. Can all become apostles? Yes. Anybody can become an apostle if God calls. Can all become prophets? Yes. Can all become teachers? Yes. We are all teachers. We are all learning from each other. We don't realize we are not learning just from one person. We are all learning from each other. Are all workers of miracles? Yes. You can, we can all become workers of miracles, yes. But are all workers of miracles? No. no. Can and are are two different usages. Can? Yes. Are all? No. As the Spirit decides. Do all have gifts of healings? No. Can all have gifts of healings? Yes. Yes. Do all speak in tongues? No. The answer is no. Can all speak in tongues? Yes. Yes, they can. Okay, can. If you go to... First Corinthians chapter 14. I, I would to God also. Verse 5. Mm-hmm. Okay, 14 and verse 5. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I wish that you all spoke in tongues. I wish you all spoke with tongues. <laughs> God is not taking it. I wish you all spoke. Mm-hmm. But even more that you prophesied. What is happening over there in the Corinthian church, if you look at the context, it's very clear. Everybody is speaking tongues in the church. And he says it's just creating chaos. There's no interpretation. If there's no interpretation, don't use it in the public use while you are speaking in tongues. You need to have interpretation. He's not talking about praying in tongues. Mm-hmm. You can pray in tongues if you have ten people or all baptized in the Holy Spirit. You can pray in tongues during the praying time. But it's not talking about speaking in tongues without interpretation. I wish, I wish he says, even more that you prophesied. Why? He who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues. Unless indeed he interprets. If you speak in tongues, then interpret it. Why is he greater? Now it's not position. It is talking about utility within the church. You are more useful in the church if you prophesy because everybody understands. On the other hand, if you all speak in tongues and nobody interprets, you are not actually useful to the church in the ministry time. Ministry time. That is the whole context on which he is talking about. And then, when you talk about can all, if you go to Mark chapter 16 and verse 17 and 18, then we go to the book of Acts. And these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast will, out demons. They will cast out demons. And the question is, uh, can every all ch- children of God cast out demons? Answer is yes. 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 They will speak with new tongues. Okay. They will speak, take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they, this is given to everyone who believes. Wow. Super. It's mm. given to everyone who believes. Okay. Then this is a sister asked this question also. Uh, it was there in that question that uh, tongues is a sign for the unbelievers. That's yes. verse 22, 14, 22. Now these signs will... Uh, yeah, no, okay. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 22. 1 Corinthians 14, 22. Therefore, tongues are a sign not for those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesy is not for unbelievers, but those who believe. I'll simply explain it. Tongues are for are a sign for whom? Unbelievers. Unbelievers. Now, to understand the context of it, go to chapter 13 and verse 1. Though I, Then we have to come back to the previous. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. So there are two kinds of tongues here. What is that? Tongues of men. Tongues and tongues of angels. angels. So there are tongues of angels and there are tongues of men. Mm-hmm. Now we go back to, to 14, verse 22. 1422. Mm-hmm. Therefore tongues are for a sign not to those who believe for unbelievers. Now which tongues is he talking about? Of men. It's the tongues of mm-hmm. men. We know in the book of Acts when they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they started speaking in tongues. People from so many nations were there. They heard what they were speaking in their own language. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let us say, um, let us say, Mm. We, there are three or four of us over here and let us say uh, Sammy came in and um, let's say Peter is not here Sammy is here and Sammy starts speaking in Swahili or Yoruba what happens do we understand no we don't understand we can understand okay but he's speaking in tongues and what he is saying thus says the Lord there will be a man who will come here at seven o'clock and Peter walks in he understands exactly what he is speaking and he's not a believer. Okay? Peter walks in. And he exactly understands what is happening. And you know, he looks at, and he realizes, 
They don't know my language. <laughs> they don't know my language. And let us say it is not even Sammy, it is Raj. Okay, and Peter, and this has happened continuously in history. Mm. Where unbelievers were rebuked in their own language. And they were convicted. And they looked at the person who was speaking, they realized, this man doesn't know me, he doesn't know my language either. So if you ask him, what did you say? He said, I don't know what I said, the Spirit gave me. <laughs> but you understood exactly. What so tongues is a sign mm-hmm. for the unbelievers. unbelievers. Okay. Now you look at the context in Acts chapter 2. The Bible says they were convicted in their own languages. They were convicted. But they are hearing in their own languages. Okay. And they were shocked. These people are Galileans. How can they speak in our languages? Okay, it's the Holy Spirit. So there is the tongues, which are human language, and there is this tongue, of which angels. is angelic. Mm-hmm. Now, when we are talking about the gift of tongues on all people who can receive it, we are not talking about human language. We are talking about the divine language. Angelic. Angelic language, mm. okay? Angelic language also can be used in ministry where there is interpretation. But angelic language is not for the unbeliever. The unbeliever also doesn't understand that language. Yes. And even okay? a believer also doesn't. A believer also doesn't understand the language. Even Paul is not able to understand. He says, when I pray, my spirit, my, uh, speaks, my mysteries. M- speaks mysteries and my mind is unfruitful. Yeah. So understand these two contexts that are, there are, there is tongues which is used for ministry, edification of others, so for that, either the unbeliever is edified, convicted edified, or the believer, there has to be interpretation. interpretation yeah. And there is the other one, where it is for your self-edification. And therefore, in verse 39 of 14 and verse 39, Paul will say, hmm? 39 and 14, Therefore, my brothers, be eager to prophesy. Do not forbid speaking, speaking in tongues. tongues. Do not forbid in speaking in tongues. And verse 40 puts the entire picture in context. What does verse 40 say? Let all things be done decently and in order. Basically, he's telling the Corinthian church, you're just flaunting your, flaunting your tongues. Mm-hmm. It's only creating disorder over here. Everybody has the gift of tongues. But the problem is nobody understands anybody. Mm-hmm. It is not a gift of ministry. So if you speak in tongues, there has to be an interpretation. You're disrupting the worship service. You are disrupting order in the church. That is how you need to understand. And let me give you a couple of more examples over there. Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. Then Acts 10, 44 and 45 and 19, 6. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. Okay, so can all? Yes. Here, what does it say? There were 120 there. Everybody started speaking in tongues. Okay, we already saw from Mark 16. Acts chapter 10, 44 and 45. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision believed, who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. Gentiles. Okay? And can we read 46 too? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So the, when the, when the Gentiles received it, all of them were speaking. In that room, how many people were there? I don't know, 50, 70, 80. We don't know how many were there. Everybody started speaking in tongues. And the ones who came with Peter, the circumcised believers were shocked mm. because they had received it the same way. 
In Acts chapter 19, that's when Paul goes, right, remember, and he asks, have you received the Holy Spirit? They said, no. He asked them which baptism, 19 and verse 6. Okay, they said John's baptism. He said, that's not. When Paul had laid hands on them, remember the word them, meaning all of them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and And prophesied. prophesied. The gift started operating. Mm -hmm. So, uh, is tongues for everyone? Yes. But is the tongues of ministry for everyone? No. No, it's not for everyone. everyone yeah. It is not for everyone. That is what 12 is talking about. Are all apostles? No. It's a ministry gift. Are all apostles? No. no. What are, are you willing to go through the process of apostleship? Has God called you, sent you? No, I am an apostle. What are you doing? Nothing. Okay? So, are everybody who has got the gifts of healing? No. It's a ministry gift. So, do all speak in tongues? Mm-hmm. No. But you will need to. In certain contexts, I don't know how Thomas spoke in Kerala. I believe God gave him the gift of whatever language we spoke 2,000 years ago, whatever form of Malayalam. And when he went, switched or went over to Tamil Nadu, he probably spoke in Tamil. Okay. That's the only explanation possible. Otherwise, where are you going to find a person 2,000 years ago in, in Kerala who understands both Aramic and Malayalam? Wow. Where is that going to come from? Today, mm-hmm. of course, you have Bible college, multiculturalism, they teach you all kind of things, language, if you're going to that black man. Nebu speaks French fluently, he sings, he preaches in French. He wants to one day probably minister in France. Okay? He's a Malu guy, but he has learned French. Okay? But that's not happening 2000 years ago. See, what has happened is, this is our issue, major issue. What happens is, we have substituted the Holy Spirit with Bible college. Bible college is good. Mm. Not denying it is good. But the problem is we are slowly limiting the hand of God. Limiting the hand of God. Okay, language is good. So what happens is, uh, let us say, we will not go to a place which God sends us because we feel we are not equipped. God tells uh, Pastor Vijay, go to Bolivia. He will say, no, I can't go. I don't speak Spanish. What am I going to do there? Nobody speaks English over there. He will not go. Why? Because he will not be willing to rely on the Holy Spirit who says, you go there, you open your mouth, I'll speak through you. That's how the apostle went to the ends of the earth. How did they go to China 2,000 years ago? How did they go to China 2,000 years ago? Okay, but that is where the calling is so clear. You have heard from the Lord, you have obeyed, you have been sent out. And all this. Does God use the other format? Of course he uses the other format because it is his will that no one should perish. So God will use any means to save people. To save people. Okay, so that is the context in which you understand. Yes, Pastor Vidya. But I think in the last days, it's inevitable that you need to have this because it's going to be so... Strong. Now we have apps. You can speak in English. You'll translate in the language exactly. they want to hear. <laughs> we have now... Replaced the, <laughs> replaced the Holy Spirit with an app also. Technology. But I'm not saying any of these things are in it, in per se wrong as long as the Spirit of God is in control. Ultimately, the God of, mm. Spirit of God can walk, work through an app too. Okay, that's the whole thing. The Holy Spirit should be in control. But there is a praying in tongues. And yeah, the praying exactly. in tongues is for your personal edification. He who prays speaks mysteries to God and he edifies himself. I think it's inevitable in the last days that you need to have... You have to have. Otherwise, you are not going to survive. People pray in tongues for hours together. What do you think Paul was doing in the prison? Hmm. That's the next question Mm. uh, we'll look at. 
can you describe for me the functions and responsibilities of the Old Testament watchmen? Mm. How do they symbolize watching intercession? <coughs> okay. Watchmen, watchmen, watchmen. Okay, mm. I'll just briefly we'll look at it. Because these are huge subjects. Isaiah 56, verse 10 and 12. 10 to 12. Isaiah 56, verses 10 to 12. Peter, you are slow, Peter. His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Okay. (laughs) Yes, they are greedy dogs which have never enough. They are shepherds who cannot understand. They all look to their own way, everyone for his own gain, from his own territory. Okay. Come, one says, I'll bring wine. We'll fill ourselves with intoxicating drink. Tomorrow will be as today and much more abundant. Okay. If you look at it, it's talking about shepherds as watchmen. Okay. We are not talking about the literal watchmen of the Old Testament days where they stood at the watchtowers and looking for enemy to come. So this is a spiritual application. Who are the watchmen? Primarily those who shepherd the church. Go to chapter, uh, verse 10. What is the issue with the watchmen there? His watchmen are blind. They have no spiritual discernment. First thing, they are blind. Second, they are ignorant. They do not have the knowledge of God. Okay, two things. What does watchmen need? What does watchmen need? No, they need discernment and they need the knowledge of God. Otherwise, like here it is talking about intercession. If you do not have discernment, you do not know what to pray for. You may pray against the will of God. So I constantly keep telling from the pulpit. All these things are happening. Okay? And Lord, Lord, God says, wait a minute. Aren't these signs which are connected with the second coming? Yes, Lord. What do you pray every day? Thy kingdom come. Can my kingdom come without these signs? If you pray away all the signs, then how will he come? How will we come? So we have to be very, very balanced in how we pray. We pray for healing. We pray for people to be strong, to stand there over there. But ultimately we are praying what is that? Through all this, people turn back to God because this is a sign. This is a sign. Turn back to God, whether he heals you or not. Turn. It is the salvation of your soul that is more important than the healing of your body. You can be perfectly healthy and you Come through COVID without even a hair falling off your head and go to hell in a basket, handbasket. And what's the whole point? And Jesus makes it very clear. What's the whole point? Okay. So when we are talking about intercession or we are talking about watchmen, watchmen need two things. One, they need discernment and they need to the knowledge of God. And Moses was a watchman. Scripture says God showed him his ways. The people were ignorant. Even his entire second rung of leadership were ignorant and blind. They were fighting him all the time instead of cooperating with him. You know why? Because they were blind. Mm. And they were ignorant. ignorant. They had. And one whole set of leadership, 250 plus of them, just went down into hell straight away because they were blind and they were ignorant. ignorant. Now let's go to the context in Hebrews chapter 13 and words 1. 17, 17, 13, 17. 13, 17. Hmm? Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls. Okay? 
Obey those who's talking about the shepherds, okay? Your pastor, whichever church you are in, your pastor. He says, obey them. But what is the pastor supposed to do? He's supposed to watch over your soul. Not watch over your bodies. That you can take care of yourself. And you should be taking care of yourself. Okay? Pastor's job is to take care of your soul. And how does he take care of your soul? From the pulpit. That is why the Bible says those who are in the ministry of teaching the word in the church are worthy of double the honor. Because he's actually feeding your soul. soul. Now, when you're talking, let us put in the context of the body. In the context of the body, there are many things we do to the body to take care of it. It's just not feeding. It's feeding. It's cleansing. And when you fall ill, it is uh, what you call rectification for the disease that has come in. So many things which we do for the body. We we constrain body to eating and drinking alone, which is not true. From the time we get up in the morning, we do so many things for the body, which all go, including washing our clothes. Washing your clothes, right? Why we have all these pictures in the Old Testament, sanctification, wash your clothes? It is for us. The cleansing of the washing by the water of the word. Why did they have to wash clothes every time they went to God? So that we would understand every time we go to God, we would be washed by the blood and be washed by the word. So this is what the shepherd does. They watch out for your soul. His job is to teach. And the Bible says teaching, the, the purpose behind it is so many things. So many things happen during that. Each of these things. So, so if you take Isaiah 56 and put it over here, what is that? The pastor, the shepherd needs to have discernment. He needs to know the times. He needs to know which way the congregation is being tempted, what the trials are, what the testing. He knows the times and he knows the struggles and is open to the Holy Spirit and ministers to them accordingly. Accordingly. Yes. Yes. Accordingly. Yes. 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 Accordingly. Mm. Otherwise what is happening is like waking up somebody at uh, two in the morning and says, eat your breakfast. But it's not my time to eat breakfast. You're feeding him out of time. Out of time. But he's able to see. But sometimes what happens, the congregation is not able to see. Like all these years we are preparing the people for a time and a season like this. And everyone who received the message and prepared are not shaken. Are not shaken at all. They took it and they were prepared for a time and eventuality. When this comes, we will stand. And Jesus was consistently warning his disciples, a time is coming, a time is coming. Finally, the last day he said, okay, how many swords do you have to? That's enough. <laughs> That's enough, okay? Don't let anybody murder you. He's not a bitter mistook and try to cut somebody's ears off. He's not telling them to kill anybody. He says, you need to protect yourself. Because why? For three days, I'm not there. There's no intervention of God in the affairs of men for three days. For that sake, stay together, carry two swords. Pharisees are crazy. Okay, they may come to kill you. So protect yourself. Don't kill anybody. Don't harm anybody. But protect your self-defense. But after that, they didn't need it. You don't see any apostle walking around with a sword. Okay, why? Because now he's up again. He comes to them. He breathes upon them. They're born. Still, he says, you know, you want to go out in ministry. You need something else. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Wait in Jerusalem. So there's a complete paradigm shift over there. And you will see Jesus watching over his disciples. And he teaches them. Okay, that's what he's talking about. And then, again, hmm. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. Then Second Timothy 4.16. Acts 20.28. 20, Acts 20.28. 20, 
Therefore take heed to yourself and all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherds, to shepherd the church of which he purchased with his own blood. Okay, take heed to yourself. What, what does it mean if you go to NIV and I will say, watch over, watch over, okay, watch over your sheep with the Holy Spirit. Watch over them, watch over them. Be sensitive, watch, okay, no, no. And yeah, no, 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 not the second Timothy. I think it's first Timothy 4.16. First Timothy four sixteen. Yeah, watch over your life and your doctrine. Okay, Sammy, why don't you do it, Sammy? Peter is eating time. Okay, it's okay, mm-hmm. but no, we have limited. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Here, watch your life and doctrine closely. What is he basically talking about? Okay, like. Uh, <laughs> People ask me, COVID, no, they are, uh, pastor, I have COVID. I said, okay, I will pray for you. And then what do I tell them? Do you cough? Are you coughing? Is it bad? I'll tell them, take a course of toxicycline. One in the morning, one in the night, after dinner for five days. Why? Because I knew it worked for me. <laughs> okay. So what is it telling? Watch your life and doctrine. You know doctrine, Timothy. But all doctrine has not been practiced. Mm. Doctrine that has been practiced is efficient because you know experience. It works. It works. Why do people... Do you believe if you lay hands on the sick, uh, they will be healed? Yes. yes. Do you lay hands upon it? No. no. <laughs> no. Why? <laughs> what if they don't get healed? I mean, <laughs> you have to keep laying hands on... Maybe after 10, the 11th one gets healed. You know what? Suddenly, faith will jump up and after that, it works. Mm. Everything, even exercise by faith. Exercise by faith and practice makes perfect. perfect. Okay, even in exercising of scripture. You know, if you were to listen to us when we preached first time. <laughs> and now, preaching. I remember he left the pulpit and walked away one day and I had to come back and finish it off. Remember at Jeevan Jyoti? You know, suddenly in the middle of his sermon, he came and said, I cannot preach anymore and walked away. And this is a prof who taught classrooms. Okay, now you never walk out of a classroom, but you walk out of the pulpit. Why? Because you struggle, you realize this is not. But you know, do you walk away today? No. Are we improving? Yes. You know why? Because you're exercising a gift. So in the same way, we need to understand that, you know, there is doctrine which is practiced. When you practice a doctrine, you will see the power of God come into it and you will realize it really works. It really works, okay? If it is you, Lord, bid me come. And Jesus said, come. And Peter stepped into water and he suddenly realized, my gosh, I can walk on water. Did the others get out? No. Oh, 11 sat there, comfort, they refused to get out. One man walked on water. Did they see Jesus walk on water? Yes. Did they see Peter walk on water? Yes. Did they get out in the water? No. And if you ask them later, why didn't you walk? We will say, we saw Peter sink. They will never say, we saw Peter walk. They will say, we saw Peter sink. That's why we did not walk. So if you ask people, why don't you lay your hands upon the sick? Because we saw many people being prayed over, they did not get healed. So it's fake. <laughs> no, they won't say it is fake, so <laughs> I don't they, want to, I don't want to lose face. Make excuses. But that's not the way it's done. You do it. You do it. Okay, you consistently do it. Okay, yes. And so e- that is, yeah. E- even when you're oh. speaking in tongues, when you're, mm. first time when I spoke in tongues, it, mm. I, it, somebody, you, you told it's already there, you just start to open your mouth and speak. But then speak it. That's, that, that's it, and it was by faith you exercise it. it was, it's already there. In the the funny thing is that lots of people have already, but they won't speak. Exactly, there are a lot of, a lot of people already. They won't there. speak. 
They won't speak. And Acts chapter 2 is very good. Just let us go over there and then go to the next one. I wish people would just exercise it by faith. Even my when my tongues increases, it is by faith. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Verse 4. Acts 2 verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as, as the, the Spirit, Spirit gave them utterance. They spoke and the Spirit, Spirit gave, gave them utterance. Mm. I have to speak. Mm. Well, as the Spirit gave utterance, I speak. No, I speak. And utterance is from the Holy Spirit. Don't doubt. Just open your mouth and start speaking it out. Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit, Lord. And when the prayer is taking place and we're going to be filled with it. That's how people are the other ends of the world in yesterday and all. All God filled because while we are praying, I said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That is the answer. And children started speaking in tongues. They opened their mouth and started speaking in tongues. Now you can't call it fake. I am here. They are there. Okay. This happened in Australia. Mm. Okay. You know, it's as simple as that. Open your mouth. But the, the problem is that why do children speak so fast? Is because they don't doubt. Mm, simple. Older people, because they know so many languages and they have a degree in languages, they start thinking, you know, mm, I don't make any. Paul, at the end of his life, he says, I speak in tongues and I don't understand. And where are you going to speak in tongues and understand? Your understanding is coming in the middle of everything. That is why faith is not connected with understanding. You don't understand how. You don't understand. I mean, till today, I don't understand how uh, Moses parted the Red Sea. You know, God's nostrils and east wind and this thing and all. Understand? Okay. Or, okay, there was no wind at all. Elisha, Elijah took his mantle and struck and the waters divided. Do we understand that? Natural mind, science, all the things. Do you understand how that happens? No. But did it happen? Yes. So that is why by faith we just operate by faith and suddenly it comes. It happens. Whereas in speaking tongues or healing or anything, you do it by faith. And the first ten people may not receive it. And the sixth, eleventh one receives it. Or the first people you lay hands, they will not speak in tongues. The sixth one does it. So you don't go by what you see. You still keep doing it because you do it by faith. You do it by faith. Okay? The Bible says Jesus could not heal in his own town. Jesus stopped healing people. Oh, I went to Nazareth. Nobody got healed. You know, my healing does not work. No, he didn't. He continued healing. He went to Capernaum and he continued healing over there. Okay, that's how we do it. Everything is operated by... The miracle by is as, as much as responsible to the people... Person also. And also... Yeah, but sometimes God can overrule, overrule all yeah, that. But overrule yeah. all that. But that's that's a supernatural thing, gift. Yeah. So even in that Corinthians 12, when you're talking about... Uh, there's a gift of faith. Hmm. And there is a faith that is common to everybody. Hmm. Okay? The gift of faith. There is a gift of faith that is given to do extraordinary things. So when you look at certain people doing extraordinary things, you'll say, oh Lord, he does it. I also want to do that. You cannot do that unless you have that gift of faith. In the same way, there is this tongues which is common to everybody as a prayer language and there is a gift of tongues which is given for ministry, which can be a human language. So we have to differentiate this. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, we'll look at question number seven. Uh, it says... <clears throat> What does it mean to capture a thought to the obedience of Christ? It's uh, seven and eight together. Yeah. What does it mean to capture a thought to the obedience of Christ? I hear your wife pray that. I, I hear your wife pray that. Is that self-discipline? In other words, what thoughts in my life need to be taken captive? For instance, in my profession, I know the client is lying. I also know the the prosecution is lying. How do you discipline yourself to think like Christ? 
I want to punch them in the face and walk out of the courtroom. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. These are uh, two different contexts over here, but let's try to uh, put it together. We go to the portion in Corinthians 10. Second Corinthians 10. Second Corinthians 10. Four. Four, five. is basically talking about. Three. Let's go from three onwards. Okay. Three, four, five. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For I will give you the answer to the last line here. You want to punch them in the face and walk out? We do not do that. Because though we walk in the flesh, we, we do not react. Let us say war has a react. We do not react according to the flesh. Reacting according to the flesh is we are living in the flesh in this body, but we do not react like in the flesh. What is that? We don't punch anybody because then the whole purpose is lost because then we are not led by the spirit. We are led by the flesh. Verse 4. For the weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Verse 5. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into the captivity to the obedience of Christ. Mm. Ultimately, the sum total of a person is his thought life, mm. is his mind, mm. his mind. Because how you think is who you are. Mm. It's not what you think. Mm. It's not what you think. It's how you think. Mm. You can think many things, but that doesn't mean you believe in it. Mm. No? Uh, what you think is like, I can think about communism without being a communist. I can think about socialism without being a socialist. I can think about feminism without being a feminist. I can think about humanism without being a humanist. Mm. But how I think, if mm. I think like a socialist, that's what I am. Mm. Yeah. Ultimately, that is how my decisions are made. And my arguments are made according to how I think. So here the Bible is talking about arguments and high things that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Meaning, how does God think? How does God think? God also thinks. If God doesn't think, then he's not God. He's not a person. Okay, God also thinks. My thoughts. Okay, my thoughts towards you. So God thinks. Okay, so the question is, once we are Born again, the entire process of the teaching of the word of God, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, everything is to think like God. Like you go through, like, like, like you're talking about, why do we always go to Luke 21 and say, men's heart will fail of fear, but you lift up your heads. What is God telling? What would I do if I was in your place during a pandemic? Hmm. A worldwide pandemic. How, what would God do? What would God do? What would Christ do? That is why one of the reasons God sent Christ in the flesh is so that we have a pattern. We have a pattern, a human pattern, who in the flesh walked among us and yet did not sin. Mm. Because sin begins in the mind. Sin begins in the mind. Okay, Sin begins in the mind. So to sin first, it has to be in your mind. So how did Jesus live as Bible says he was tempted at all points and yet he did not sin. Why? He overcome in his mind. How did he overcome in his mind? By taking the temptation that comes in as whatever your senses take it, it brings into your thought life. But you take that and you cast it down. How by exalting the knowledge of God. This is what this is what God would not do. God won't do this. 
And how did he know that? Because he says, I look at God, I look at my father, I look at how he does things. I listen to my father and I speak the same things. Mm. So here is somebody who has an intimate knowledge of the father. Of the knowledge of the Father. And that is what has been given to us. We've been given the Word of God, we've been given teachers, and above all, we have been given the Holy Spirit. So, Holy Spirit is our guide. So, when we are going through a situation, we ask the Lord, what should I do? And the Holy Spirit says, this is what you have to do. But let us say the Holy Spirit is not able to tell us what to do because we do not have the knowledge of the Word of God. Even if, even if He says you have to do this, we start doubting about I don't think that is the Holy Spirit. Why? Because I don't have the knowledge of the word. Knowledge of the word. Like when Pastor Eric preaches, some of the words he says, I don't understand. Though I know Hindi, I don't know all the Hindi he knows. Okay? So, what did he say? What did he mean? I'm not able to understand. Okay? Why do we meditate upon the word of God so that we can understand what the Holy Spirit says? The problem is the Holy Spirit speaks, but it is like a foreign language to many people because they do not know their scripture. Now, I'm not talking about just memorizing scripture. I'm talking about knowing scripture. Because like I always say, there's a Bible and there's a person. You can know the Bible without knowing the person. You can know the person without knowing the whole Bible. Without knowing the whole Bible. You can know the person. And that's why I said these three things are there in this triangle. The Word of God, the person of God, and then there is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Okay? You, you, you realize, you know, the word of God is there, but Christ didn't. But the Pharisees could quote, quote the scripture mm. left, right, and center. Mm. Okay? But you look at them, and then you looked at Christ, and you, you realize that, no? Mm. Nobody went and uh, said about any Pharisee, you must be God, or you must be the Son of God. Nobody said that. But about Jesus, even the centurion said, If that is God, this must be like him. Not like these dudes. Okay. So, when you're talking about taking captivity, it is only possible. There are only two ways you can do it. One, you need to know the word of God. Second, we need to be surrendered to this. Why say surrendered to the Holy Spirit? Because he doesn't overrule our will. Surrender to the Holy Spirit. And we are able to take the thoughts into captivity. It's not enough to cast one down. We have to raise another up. Because nature abhors a vacuum. Hmm. Our mind will never remain empty. It cannot remain empty. Something will take place. If I cast one idea down, it has to replace with another idea because immediately another idea. I say, I do not believe in socialism, then humanism will come in. Everybody believes in something. There's nobody walking around who does not believe in anything. Everybody believes in something. Everybody believes in that is what is happening in India. It's an eye-opener for the religion called Hinduism. Because people are dying left, right and center. And you know what? You cannot get away with karma. Cannot get away with Otherwise, it's, oh, people will die. It is his karma. But it's your father who died. Is it karma? No. It's your child who died. Is it karma? You want to accept karma? If it is karma, then why are you sitting in the ICU and spending 15 lakhs, 20 lakhs, 40 lakhs, 50 lakhs? Let it be karma, right? When the poor man died, it was karma. When yours is dying, it is not karma. So karma has failed. He's throwing the religion out of the window. Like when we die, we die with confidence. We'll try to live our lives, save our lives. Why? Because we have a purpose. But if you die also, we are good. Karma doesn't answer anything. Karma doesn't answer anything. Mm. You see, everybody believes in something. 
Everybody believes in something. And what you believe, what you think motivates your actions. Okay, action. So how do you bring it into captivity? It's just two ways. There's no other way. And if you go to the other answer about your profession, okay? In other words, what thoughts in my life need to be taken captive? Answer, every thought. For instance, in my profession, I know the client is lying. Okay, now you are a, you are a lawyer. So primarily, okay, two, uh, there are three categories of people. One is the lawyer, one is the doctor, the other is a shepherd. These are three people, basically put the secular term. When you go to a doctor, you are a client or a patient. When you are going to a lawyer, you are a client. When you are going to a shepherd, you are a sheep or a client. Let's use the word client for all three. You don't lie to your lawyer. You don't lie to your doctor. doctor. You don't lie to your shepherd. You don't lie to your shepherd. Amen. <laughs> Thank God the anointing that was there upon Peter is not there upon the shepherds today. Otherwise, you would die. Finished. <laughs> okay. You don't lie to these two people. Oh Lord, so, my thing is that if you are a lawyer and your client comes, a client, prospective client comes and says, this is my situation and you know he is lying, you tell him straight up, I'm not taking your case. I'm not taking your case. That's how ultimately how you become a righteous advocate. Exactly, righteousness. You become a righteous advocate. I'm not taking your case. Okay, I'll straight up tell me the truth. Did you do it or did you not do it? I did it. Then what I will say is that if you want me to plead your case, you have to plead guilty. And I will fight to see you get the lesser sentence possible under the law. Otherwise, I'm not taking your case. Do you agree? No. I want a lawyer who will plead I am not guilty. Go find a lawyer. You know what happened? Your profession may fail, but you will be successful in heaven. Outside of God. Amen. 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 Okay. The Bible says, I write to your children that you do not sin. But if you sin, remember you have an advocate in heaven. But that about that advocate is written in the previous chapter. If you confess, he is faithful. He's faithful. Okay. So if I don't confess, he's is, is he unfaithful? No. Mm-hmm. He's very faithful to the fact that the, if you don't confess, I will see you receive the penalty. He's always faithful. <laughs> he never becomes unfaithful. He's always faithful. Okay? Meaning if you're guilty and you don't confess, you will get the penalty. He's faithful. But if you confess you are guilty, I will plead your case. Why? And I will proclaim you not guilty. Why? Because I took your punishment. Mm. I took your punishment. Amen. That's how it works. That's how it works. So he said, says he's faithful and he's just mm. to forgive your sins. Mm. If if you confess, he's yeah. faithful and he'll he'll pay, he has pay to be for, ju- yeah, just for your sins. He'll he'll pay, pay, pay for your sins. Yeah, otherwise, he'll pay for, <laughs> for your sins. sins. He's <laughs> still faithful and just. Yeah, pay for your sins. And God does that. Even though the confess, he forgives us. You know what? Sometimes the consequences follow. Often consequences follow. And we'll say, Lord, but you forgave me. I did. Then why are the consequences? To teach you. Teach you. Okay? A child, let us say, 10-year-old, 11-year-old child steals money from his father's pocket. And uh, he's caught. He confesses. Yes, yes, I took. I'm so sorry. And all that. Okay, you know. But you still spank him. Or you say you're grounded for a month. Or if in the American context, you will say you get no pocket money for a month. But he confessed, right? So why do you spank him? Because he has to learn the lesson. To learn the lesson. But that sin has consequences. Yeah, he has to learn the lesson that you don't repeat it. Okay, you learn the lesson. This is this is it. It's not that you're not forgiven. 
the father trying to impress a lesson in strong ways that you don't forget this lesson. Otherwise, if you are not spanked and said, okay, you forgive, you know what happens. Often we are not helping the children. He says, you know what, I can still, all I have to do is shed a few tears and I'll be forgiven next time. Hmm. Okay? And first two times it happened, three times it happens. The first time the father gives a nice whacking of your life and you learn the lesson. Okay, you don't get away every time with it. Mm. Okay, so each time were you forgiven? Yes, you are forgiven. So we need to understand. That's how I would say in this context what uh, a shepherd should do, a, a lawyer should do. And it, it happens with us too. People, when they come for counseling, they will tell you only half the story. They will never tell you the other half story. Then the other half story I have to hear from my wife and say, oh, how come they never told me this? And you are telling me this. You know, she, this one told me the whole thing. You know what? You have a problem. You have a problem. If you have a problem, you need to tell the whole story so that, you know, every time a sheep comes before the shepherd, he doesn't need the discernment and the gift of wisdom and knowledge <laughs> and all working. No, it doesn't work like that. You got a problem, why don't you talk? Like, like when you go to, when you go to a, a doctor, you go to a doctor, like, you know, Ma had an issue last month. So, when we were sitting with the doctors, you know, I always I'll put in over there, like, you know what, uh, there's a family history of something, and she has a history of that, and this is a medication she's taking for it, so it's been stopped for a season because of this, because you have to tell the doctor he's prescribing medicines, but you're already taking some other medications, which he does not know. But you have to give the information to see that this medication he's prescribing and this medication you're taking for something else don't react together. Mm. Okay? Sometimes out of ignorance you do not say. And then you realize, what happened to you? I'm breaking out everything. And you call the doctor and then he says, you know what, you remember? They will ask you, are you allergic to penicillin? Yes. I don't know. So they will give you a small jab to see whether it comes up. Then only they will give you. But some people are allergic. Allergic. Some children are allergic to um, what they call it milk. What is that allergy called? Lacto, yeah, intolerance. They have it. You don't know. A child is throwing up this thing, and then finally you go check and find out you for that. You know, which it is so what? Substitute soya milk, which is also dangerous. Okay, so you real realize that you know. So the lot of things which we do because of our ignorance, and the Bible says. Those things, go over there, it's a very comforting verse, the book of Acts. The seasons of ignorance, God has winged, God that. Has winged, that. winged that, okay? He also wings, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, verse 20, 17, Acts 20. Mm-hmm. 29, 17, 29, 30. And 31. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devices. Just be very careful. Because man has created religion and mm. made gods. Gods and religion. Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked. No? Out of our ignorance we create a lot of things. But now commands all men everywhere to repent. Okay? You need to realize when we were before coming to Christ, when we were all young, we were all socialists. We're all socialists. When we got our job and started making money, <laughs> we became capitalists. <laughs> hmm? Hallelujah. Okay. 
simple thing to make a socialist into a capitalist is give him a good That's earning it. job and let him prosper. He will not be a socialist anymore. Because you realize it works. Hard work works. You can make money. Entrepreneurship works. Mm-hmm. That's why America prospered and Russia went down. Okay? So we were all socialists. Then we became capitalists. And then we came to the kingdom of God. We realized none of these things work. Ultimately. Okay? Ultimately. So we start changing how you think. Why? Because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. Okay? Christ. So there are ignorance. And God overlooks. But you cannot continuously go in ignorance. Cannot live in ignorance. Mm. And ignorance of science and ignorance of physics and chemistry and all is still tolerable. Mm. Ignorance of God is a very dangerous thing. Dangerous things. If you look, if you look at people in the world and in leadership and all that, or rich people and all, they are often ignorant in so many things of the world. They're still prospering. But you cannot be ignorant of salvation and prosper. There's a day of judgment. And on the day of judgment, the only thing matters is this. Do you know my son? Hmm. Amen. Do you know Jesus Christ? Not know about, do you know, know Jesus him. Christ? Okay. You may know Christ. Lord, Lord, Christ says, I don't know you. Do you know him? Does he know you? That's the only thing that matters on that day. Everything is crowns and all, we leave it later. Okay. You cannot think about crowns if you are not in the race. Lord, where is my crown? You are even in the race. What crown are you talking about? <laughs> okay, so it is not whether we know about Christ because all those people Jesus talks about in Matthew seven twenty one or something or eight, whatever. No, he says that many will come to me on that say and say, Lord, Lord, Lord. No, it's okay, it's okay. It doesn't have to go there. Okay, Lord, Lord, but I will say, I do not know you. I do not know you. Yes, Pastor Vijay. First, next questions are related to intercession and prayer. Yes, question number nine. It says, mm-hmm. what kinds of spiritual fruit come from our laboring and wrestling for the salvation of others through prayer? That is question number nine. Question number nine. nine. Okay. Now you will go to Galatians to find the fruit of the Spirit and then we will answer. Hyderabad <coughs> is good Hyderabad is. It's going to rain it. Or it's be the wind from Kerala reaching mm. here. 522. 522, Peter. And 22-23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, gentleness, self-control. Again, it's it's not an exhaustive list, okay? But it's a list. Again, such there is no law. Now go to the question. Go back to the question. What kind of spiritual fruit come from our laboring and wrestling for the salvation of others through prayer. Answer all of them. Hmm. I'm not saying that is the only means. Only means. But that is one of the means. Okay? You cannot consistently pray for somebody without actually ending up loving them. It's not possible. You will give up. You want to pray for somebody consistently. I'm not talking about the ones who we love, the ones we do not know, the ones we do not really, really know, okay? But you know what happens? You will end up loving them. And look at the next one. What is that? It's joy. 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 Like today, I mean, I mean, I get all these testimonies that comes from the ministry that happens. You know what gives me the greatest joy? It's not the people who are healed. It's the people who are saved. 
Okay, yesterday I heard two people got saved in the ICU and I was tickled pink. Will I ever meet them? No. Do I know, you know their names? No. But you know, it brings great joy that two souls got saved. Body heal, yes, it's temporary. Thank God it's healed, come out, finish. But ultimately you will die. Soul saved is, okay, there you will see them. Hallelujah, two more souls out of the devil's list. Cut out of the book of death. Put in the book of life. Okay, so it gives you great joy. Okay, so when you are praying, and it doesn't matter whether you know them. Of course, if you know them, it gives you greater joy. But even if you do not know them, it brings you a joy. And what happens? It brings you peace. It does bring you peace. When you wrestle in prayer for the salvation of others, there will be a point in time when God will say, I heard you. I heard you. I heard you. And there is peace. Like I'm telling you, when my father died on January the 11th, I was deciding as he was dying. I knew he was dying. So I ran in the previous, all the, when my father was dying, he kept all his family, everybody, including my mother, everybody was away. I was the only one beside him. And God kept it that. My other brother was there, but he was working in the medical college, so he was busy up and down and down. So he would come see him and go. But I was with him. You know why I was with him? Because God saw to that the only believing child was with him. So I was praying with him, praying for him, reading the Psalms out him, but he couldn't react, he was bedridden. Then the day he died, he accepted, he couldn't even speak, he accepted before that, he nodded his head because tubes were all, he nodded, accepted, whichever way you accept, God accept, as long as you accept. Okay? The moment he was dying, my mom had just come back, and I woke her up and says, I think he's dying, let me run. I ran to the nursing station, and I didn't know by the time I came back, he would be gone. But as, as I was running down the corridor, the power of the Holy Spirit came upon me and I started laughing because I could feel in my spirit he made it. He made it. Your dad has made it. Okay. You know what it gives you? It gives you peace. It gives you peace. Okay. Otherwise, no. Otherwise, you will be, you will be always doubting. Did he make it? Did he make it? Did he make it? That's why David goes and worships. His child is dead. But he has peace about it. You know what? A child is He's gone to be with God. There's no doubts about his salvation. But Absalom, he wept. He wept over mm. Absalom. Absalom. He's like Moses saying that, I wish my name was taken and yours was put. Like Paul saying my name. And he's saying he's weeping over Absalom. <coughs> because he knows. His kid is gone. His kid is gone. He's weeping over Absalom. Absalom, Absalom. <coughs> I wish I had died in your place. He didn't say about the little fellow. I wish I had died in your place. No. He says he's made it. Okay, so the, all this wrestling, okay, and it brings long suffering because you realize the more you pray, the person seems to be going even more wonky and even more rebellious. Hmm. And you need to realize, you know what, Lord, help me, Lord. And you pray, you know what, in the process, long suffering is coming. You are growing. You are growing. These gifts, this sort of, this fruit is manifesting. You know, you have to suffer long. What is long suffering? Suffering long. <laughs> You're not quitting. You're suffering long in the process, okay? And what happens? Kindness comes. How does kindness comes? Because you actually become more kind and more gentle with people. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, everything comes. All this thing comes when you actually wrestle for others in your prayer life. You know, otherwise, I mean, there are different ways, okay? One of the ways the question answers is, yes, the fruit of the Spirit is, manifested as you wrestle for others. Because otherwise you'll quit up. You won't be gentle. You'll say, oh, forget God, let him go to hell. Who cares? <laughs> you know what? You didn't content in prayer. You didn't persevere in prayer. 
You look at Jesus would fight in prayer, come back and be so compassionate with the people. The only set of people he was mad at was the Pharisees, the religious leaders, because they had no compassion for their people. They're excellent teachers. They sat on the seat of Moses. So he said, listen to them. <laughs> what they teach. But don't be like them. Meaning they're hard-hearted people, no compassion, only indictment, no sympathy, nothing for the people. Okay, that's what he's talking about. And he was actually indicting them. Okay, a man went from Jerusalem to Jericho. Immediately the Pharisee will say, you should have never left Jerusalem. <laughs> you deserve to be beaten by the robbers. Okay, he walks over him and he will go. The Levite will look that side and they will go. And the Samaritan comes out. And he deliberately brings the Samaritan over there. because It's irritated them even further. Okay, but he looks at them. Okay, okay. so basically he's telling it to us, okay, how do we react? How do we react? And the fruit of the Spirit, it's a fruit. Hmm. A gift, you can just receive it like that. But fruit doesn't, its conditions have to be met for it to keep, to come, appear, to grow and reach its fullness. Conditions have to be met. And one of the conditions is wrestling in prayer for others. No, actually the more and more and more and more and more we pray for people who have, most of the people we are praying for, let me tell you, we will never see in our lifetime. But you know what? I will get more and more compassionate. Actually, when I see pictures, we weep over them. You look at pictures of people, babies sitting there and struggling for breath. People said, when you see a picture, your heart breaks even more. But if you have never prayed for anybody, you look at the picture. You'll go and say, go back to watch Netflix or whatever Netflix. It doesn't bother you at all. Doesn't bother you at all. That's <laughs> the thing we need to realize. The more you pray, the more compassionate you become. Compassionate. It depends upon your prayer. You don't pray like the Pharisee. I am not like him. Look at me. I'm too good. I'm not like him. No, his, that's why his prayer life was the reason why he had no compassion. You look at his prayer, you will realize why he has no compassion for anybody because he's a self-righteous pig. Okay, no compassion for anybody at all. And that's why we have to look. These things cause us to become like Christ. Yes. I, I, I remember um, Nabil Qureshi and David Wood. Yeah. He struggled with Nabil for four and a half years in arguing with the, about the gospel. Yes. And the more he talked to him, the more he became a cutter Muslim <laughs> and he used to go and pray more. But in his um, testimony, he says, I was struggling deep down inside with all these questions, but I put a poker face to David. Yeah. I didn't want to know yeah. that I was getting defeated by the argument <laughs> okay. that he was showing. And other people used to come, to come and tell David, why are you wasting your time with this guy? And he persevered and until That's now we know that the truth. We don't give up on anybody. So somebody yeah. said that um, uh, Nineveh needed Jonah, mm. but actually Jonah needed, needed. Nineveh. I didn't change. Yeah, an open-ended <laughs> question about that man was he changed or <laughs> it's, it's it's the only Bible chapter, sorry, only book in the Bible which ends up with the question. Oh boy. No answer. <laughs> okay, yes. Pastor, again, it's again question related to salvation and intercession. This is question number 10. Can we choose to accept God's heartache over certain people and events or does the Lord lay it upon us regardless? Both are there. Both are there. Okay? Both are there. God can lay it upon you. You can, like, let us say, Peter Sam is sitting over here. Technically speaking, they should be having a burden for Nigeria. That's where they are from. And India. They have lived here so many years, so they know Indians. 
and they are from their hometown. So it's a natural burden. Mm. Paul has a burden for the, the Jews. Because yes. it's a Jew. Burden for the Jews. Okay, okay. I have a burden for Catholics because I come from there. I know the blindness of Catholics because I was a blind Catholic once. Okay? So I can speak to them. I can speak to them. Okay? I understand. I don't understand Islam so much. No, Muslims, though, I minister to them so much because I was never among so much among Muslims, practicing Muslims. But I understand Hindus very well. Mm. I understand Buddhists very well. Because I was always among Hindus and Buddhists. So I understand them very well. How their mind works. What are their struggles? What are their struggles? Okay. Muslims I understand because I understand the Old Testament. The Old Testament is the law. And Sharia is primarily the law. Okay. So you understand how the Muslim mind works because you understand how the law works and how, why are they so big on the law? And you will see how Judaism failed. Islam also will ultimately fail. Judaism was a religion which was only connected with Israel and they used the sword against Israel. Punishment was for the Jew. Islam, see, Judaism was never a proselytizing religion. religion. They didn't want anybody saved. Mm. Just stay away from us, leave us alone. They didn't want anybody saved. Exclusive club they became. Islam, on the other hand, is Judaism on steroids. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) <laughs> that is too much. Okay. They will go to the ends of the earth and you don't believe what we say if we have power over you. As long as we are weak, we won't do anything. If we have power over you, we will finish you off. We will see that you don't. Okay. There's a tolerant form of Islam which is there in the Middle East like in Dubai and Abu Dhabi and all UAE and all. There's an intolerant form of Islam. The most intolerant you will see is in Afghanistan and okay, sad how they're killing people over there. And Americans left and they're killing their own people. Kids, 70 schoolgirls were killed. The people will always people will ask, <laughs> what is America doing in Afghanistan? You will see what America was doing in mm. Afghanistan. Mm. You're always calling America big Satan and this thing and all. Now you know why the girls are getting killed? Because America is withdrawing from Afghanistan. Your people will die people will die. Whether you like it or not, America is, was, is the world's policeman. Why is Palestine, why are, why, why are they shooting rockets into Israel? Because Biden is sitting there and not Trump. Mm. The whole Muslim world was quiet when Trump was there. They shut up and sit down quietly. Do your own things. As soon as this administration came in, they switched allegiance very quietly. They are not pro-Israel. They are pro they ba- try to put a picture, but they're pro-Palestine. Mm. They're giving money to Palestine. You see, you need to understand the real story about Palestine. There was never a state called mm. Palestine. Yes. Second, Palestine had a small number of people. Three, the Arab world can actually absorb all the Palestinians if they want and give them, make them all millionaires. But you need to know that if you go to the Arab world, nobody likes the Palestinians. They don't want them there. That's the truth. They don't want the Palestinians there. Because they have been, unlike other Muslim nations, the Palestinian children as they are growing and they grown and they, they have been brought up on a daily diet of hatred and murder. Right from childhood. 
You don't want that people. Because you can turn that against the other people. Oh, this thing. So they don't want Palestinians anyway. They don't like Palestinians. And it's not the Palestinians. It is their leadership. Hamas is a terrorist organization. It is a terrorist organization. And you cannot negotiate with terrorists. You cannot negotiate with terrorists. You know? So you need to understand how these things happen. But you know what? There is policy. There is politicians. There is policy. But we love the people. We love the people. We have to pray for the people. Ultimately, the leadership makes these stupid mistakes. And the people suffer. Ignorant children suffer. The children are suffering. The children in Palestine are suffering. Because of Israel? No. Not because of Israel. Because of their policies. Because of their policies. You go back in history and see when Israel came back, the Zionists came back. What was there? Nothing. Just a desert land. Bare and desert land. Nothing was there. And they're fighting over the Temple Mount. Let me ask you in the simple rhetorical question. Third holiest place. For what? Where is Jerusalem mentioned in your in your Quran? Nowhere. Okay, where is Jerusalem mentioned in your Quran? What are you talking about Temple Mount? What is it got to do with Islam? Really, honestly, if you look into it, what is got to do with Islam? Nothing. It is Mecca and Medina. So you created a myth. He ascended from there on a horse and all that and you wanted this thing and you're fighting over it. But actually, who does it belong to? Whose history is it connected with us? We don't need Jerusalem. Jerusalem is not my capital. Jerusalem is not where my temple is. It is the Jews. It is their eternal covenant with God. It is their homeland. It is their, it was God who dispersed them. It is God who brought them back and it is God who will punish them once more and God will give it back to them. It has got to do with them. Accept that. Accept that history. You know? Accept that history. Is your mother Hagar? Yes. Is she from Egypt? Yes. Where is she from? Jerusalem. She's from Egypt. Okay. So, like I said, no, like I said, the whole thing is because the spirit of rejection and hurt. But reconciliation is only through Christ. There is no reconciliation between the Jew and the Muslim world. Only Christ can reconcile it. That's why it took a President Trump to bring the accord. And everything was settling down. Things were done. It did not agree with the Antichrist plans at all. Muslim nations making peace with Israel. Then how will he this thing, no? They manipulated the whole thing. A new administration has come in. And the whole world is in a crisis now. Everywhere it is only crisis. So we need to understand. But God will give you a heartache. He will put burden on us. And you have to pray according to your burden. You know? Because what happens, when you have a burden for something, your prayer life becomes more effective and powerful, and you can persevere in it. Why? Because you have a personal stake, stake in, in it. it. Exactly. Personal stake mm. in it. Otherwise, it just becomes propaganda. Because mm. I, I tell you, I was in that country. Missionaries will come. Oh, and say, oh, no, we have come here. I said, come here for what? Come here for what? Oh, no. Oh, no, no, we have a burden. I said, what burden do you have? Do you know these people? No. How did you find these people? On the map? On the map? I said, do you know how many people are in this country? Uh, how much? I said, one million. I said, when you cross the border, you go to India, you saw that people, that, that one town has more people than this entire country. How come you have no burden for that town and you have a burden for this country when you don't even know the country? What you need is that in your mission board outside your church, you want to put a flag, we reach to that country. It's propaganda. It's not burden. Mm. 
This is propaganda. It's not murder. And what happens when you come as a part of the propaganda, you actually do more harm to the church here than do good. Okay? Because what do you bring over here? You meet, actually you go to these places, underground churches, you hardly meet anybody. And if you get to meet somebody, five out of ten times or nine out of ten times, it will be a crook. So you meet him and say, so we have come to say, what is the need of these churches? He will say money. What will he say? Money. Money. And what do you say? Oh, we can support you financially. Okay, we will support you financially. Gone. Your money is gone. He is also gone. That is basically what happens. What happens? And what they will tell you? No, you cannot go anywhere. You cannot meet anywhere. It is restricted. So I will send you reports. And the question we have to ask is, whose report will you believe? (laughs) This is basically what happens. One of the ministry that happens is propaganda. Hmm. It's propaganda. Okay? And it is... This basically to show your congregation we are reaching out. But you don't have to show anybody. All you have to show is God. <laughs> God put a burden into my heart. And you pray, you minister like, we don't want propaganda. We don't want to be known that way. We only want God to know. That's why hey, we dislike this thing, this <laughs> thing called camera. We don't want even to be seen. For whose sake? Not for their sake. Our own yes, sake. So yes. that we are judging ourselves. Why am I doing this? Those cameras have a way of Affecting people, the purple persons who are in front of the camera. It affects you. And you have to constantly fight yourself to see that it does not affect you. So that when we go back and we listen to a message, what do we do? We listen with headphones and we do not watch a YouTube. We put it on YouTube and we listen to the message because we don't want to see ourselves. We don't want to see ourselves. We just want to hear what we preached to see whether we made any error or not. We don't want to see ourselves because you know what? The mirror is a very deceiving object. It's a very deceiving object. There's only one true mirror in the world which is called the Word of God. Every other mirror deceives you, takes your attention off real issues and starts focusing on yourself. Okay, and that. So when God will put a burden, and it can be your own burden. And even if it's your own burden, there's nothing wrong about it as long as you pray. There's nothing wrong. But usually God will, as you intercede, as you first learn to pray and you actually learn the discipline of prayer, what is this thing? God is able to put a burden on you. Don't expect him to put a burden on you until you have learned to pray. It's simply like in the army. They don't send you on missions until they have taught you discipline and how to fight. They don't pick a random fellow from the street and says, go to Kashmir border. They don't do that. They train you, they discipline you, everything later, they will say, you are assigned to this sector. Now the burden is given to you because you have been trained and disciplined to do that. So people who don't pray at all will say, Lord, put a burden on me and I will pray. God says, first pray, then I will put a burden on you. Actually, honest, brutal, Cutting truth is that people don't have a burden. It's simply because they don't pray. They don't pray consistently. They don't pray. The, the, the Lord's prayer is just a format. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Earth is a huge, huge, huge planet. And when you consistently pray, God will say, My will on this part of the earth, with this group, the burden becomes yours. 
And God is able to put the burden on his children around the world. And no, we do not know. But the Spirit of God is praying actually if he has, if he has enough surrendered vessels. The Spirit of God has people through whom he prays for every tribe, every nation, every language around the world. That's what he said. He looked at 120 people and said, wait in Jerusalem, or 500 plus actually. But he said, wait in Jerusalem, when you will receive the power, and you shall be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, and Sophia. It's the sinner. You will take it. I can send you. And it will multiply. It's like throwing. What he did in Jerusalem is like an ocean or a lake. He threw a stone. After some time, the ripples reach the ends of it. That's how he does it. Otherwise, if you don't pray, don't expect a burden. Give me a burden, I will pray. God says, no, you pray. You pray. And as you pray, and you're persistent, you learn. How to pray, what happens? He starts putting. And the more you get disciplined, he will give you restless nights so that you pray. He will wake up you in the night to pray. He will do all kinds of stuff because he knows he can trust you. He can trust you. I've been disciplined in your prayer life. He can trust you. And for us preachers, we are disciplined in studying the word of God because the Bible says, be ready to preach in season or off season. Any season. Any season. Most of the time the with God is that he he's a person who plays off season. Off season. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't play in IPL. Okay. He doesn't have seasons. Okay. Yes, Pastor Vijay? Pastor, one more question is there. Okay, yes, go ahead. <sighs> How do we distinguish between this is question number eleven? How do we distinguish between what is God's burden for us to pray versus something that is our own personal burden? Or are they one and the same? They can be one and they can be different also. You see, when we talk about our own burden, personal burden, okay, I will tell you about personal burden. Like for me, personal burden. Your spouse, your children, your loved ones. That's a personal burden. <coughs> okay. Somebody else's children? Not God has to be. Okay. Let's begin. How does God give is the question. How does God give? Usually. How does God give? How is the ministry usually birthed? Do you know how a ministry is birthed? Something terrible has to happen to you. So that you will feel, okay, that one is going through. I know what I went through. Now you have a burden. We don't want to go through. That's why he said, he took the bread, he blessed it, we take it back. Therefore, we go into life with no burden. But when he breaks you, he breaks you in certain places. You know what? Where you are broken, you have a burden. Like let's say, a mother has three children. And she's a praying mother. One of the children becomes a drug addict. Suddenly she knows. Earlier, sisters used to call and say, Sister, pray for my son. He's a drug addict. She is mad and says, Lord, this thing and all. Now your child has become one. Now the tone has completely changed. Now she starts weeping. Now she starts crying. She's crying for her own son and she's crying for other sons. Now the power problem is we don't have to want to go through this. Want to go through it. So God watched Saul of Tarsus. He allowed him to sanction Stephen's death. He allowed him to put Christians into prison, everything in this thing. And then he broke him. Then he turned around and said, my gosh, I was doing this to God's own people. Lord, you know what? You can send me anywhere. I will go. Hmm. You can beat me up anywhere. I will never stop 
preaching. Because you know what? I know who I am. It's a broken man. Everybody who lives in this bubble, you have an artificial bubble you live in. It's very difficult to get a burden. You can be a person who prays, but it's very difficult to have a burden because you really, really do not know what that person is going through. Going through. When Jesus, when Jesus intercedes in heaven, he knows what we are going through. You know why? Everything every man has gone through was put on him on the cross. Everything. He knows heartbreaks, he knows pain, he knows weeping, he knows sorrow, disease, death. Fornication, adultery. Dogs surrounded me. Dogs surrounded me. That's what the psalmist says. Bull of Bashan. He knows it all. He knows it all. He went through it all. Okay? He went through it all. And therefore, he has compassion. He sympathizes with us. He has compassion. See, compassion doesn't automatically come like that. Automatically come like that. People have to go through this. And they have a lot of compassion. They have a lot of um, patience. Then you become patient. The impatient person become because you see you will be always patient with your own child, and you will be very impatient with other people's child. It's a natural thing, but we are not called to live in the natural thing. <laughs> okay, very patient because why? Because that's the way we learn. When we are growing up, we are very forgiving with ourselves. <laughs> Easily forgive. We easily forgive everything and anything we did. But we were very judgmental with others. So we brought that into when we got married and had our own children. We easily forgive our children. And it's very hard on other people's children. God says, that's you. But that's not me. You look at God. God is very hard on his son and very gentle on other people's sons. He was very hard on his own son. Very easy on the devil's sons. Why? So that they would become his sons. Okay. So, personal burden will come. And it will become God's burden. And when they both come together, you know, it is like putting the catalyst into a reaction. Boom. It starts. We need to ask. People are very scared to ask for burdens. People are very, it's like, like, it is like, uh, what investing in the stock market? They don't want to take risks at all. <laughs> at all, no. Actually, people invest in the stock market with more boldness than the people go to God and ask for a burden for somebody else. Because when the invest, when the investor is um, investing in the stock market, he is looking at a, the big print which says this can go and he will give a statistic. This has increased. He thinks it's a buy. It just seems to be a good buy. But when the believer is talking about the burden, he doesn't look at the big print. He's only reading the mind print. Okay, all the risks involved. He says, you know, I don't want any burden. Only risk is there in it. That's what I was saying in the morning. You know what? People live in their caves. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, the cave becomes the grave. The grave. They went in there for safety. Mm. It becomes your prison. Ultimately, it becomes your grave. You know why? Because you don't want to come out and be a blessing. But you cannot be a blessing without being hurt. Fundamental part of life. You will be hurt. The greater blessing you want, even more you will be hurt. Two pictures in the Bible, as we close, three pictures in the Bible. One is Joseph, one is Moses, one is Jesus, and Paul. Four pictures are there. You want to be the greatest blessing on earth in your generation? You will be tormented and tortured like nobody. And you will be misunderstood by everybody. Your brothers, your father, your boss, everybody misunderstands you. Yet, 
They don't read your motives at all, your intentions at all. And Joseph has to go through hell. Moses has to go through hell. Jesus has to go through. Paul has to go through. But these are the four figures in the Bible. Mm. You know, and that's how burdens come. And most people don't have a burden. Either they don't have a prayer life or they don't go before God and be broken. Or if God breaks them, they get angry mm. and bitter. Like, like as off-repeated example. In the book of Ruth, there are three widows. Mm. Three widows. Naomi the widow, Orpha the widow, Ruth the widow. All three got the same news. One went back to the world. He never hear about her again. Two came to Jerusalem. But one lady never heard from ten years of brokenness. God broke her, but she was not broken. Circumstances did not break her. She became even more harder inside. She's very hard. She's a widow. She lost her husband. She lost her children. The other one is a widow. She lost her husband. She has no children. Okay. But Ruth is broken. And God is able to redeem her. And God is able to put his burden on Ruth. What is that? The seed of David would come through her. That's his burden. Naomi did not have that burden. So he couldn't redeem her. He redeemed Ruth. Yes, Pastor Vijay, we'll call it a die. So you can go on actually. (laughs) (laughs) We are here forever. But people will be tired. It's it's interesting that all the people who actually built something which is worthwhile, I mean, when they came back from Babylon, everybody genuinely had a burden. It's impossible that... That's why God, see, he took the diaspora or the the people of Israel through various uh, conquests. He took tens and thousands, hundreds and thousands into Babylon. But only a few came back. Yes. They were the ones who had a burden Burden. for Jerusalem and God's name. They said it says that those spirits whom God stirred up, stirred up, that those are the people. For God to stir up your spirit, you also should be willing for God's spirit. If I don't go to pray, God cannot stir my spirit. There are a lot of things which we can do and we should do. We don't do those things. And then we can't blame God. So it didn't matter in, that's why God puts those pictures of the Babylonian captivity. You could be Daniel and you could be Daniel's three friends, reach the pinnacle of their career. You could be Esther who becomes a queen. You could be Nehemiah, who is the cupbearer. So you have six people mentioned over there. Others are, of course, priests and Ezra and all. They are not high up in the Babylonian system. Mm. You need to understand in the Babylonian system, we have six people. Daniel, Daniel's three friends, Queen Esther and Nehemiah. Okay, six people. They have reached the pinnacle, but they never forgot their burden. Never forgot their burden. They never forgot their burden. If they did not go back to Israel, their burden was all still for God's people and God's revelation. It was to pray. They couldn't go back. But those who could go back took time off and went back, built and came back. Their heart was there. Esther is never going to go back. She's in Babylon. But her heart is stirred by a person called Mordecai. This is the seventh one. That is Mordecai over there whose heart is for God's people. So you will see. They never lost their burden. They never. But most of the others are, I don't believe they were uh, unsuccessful in the world. No, they were very successful. They must have become businessmen and artisans and this thing and all. But they had no burden at all. So God never mentions them. 
And then when a chance is given for people to go back, one set of people went back. I mean, what are you going back to? Everybody wants a green card to America. Does anybody want to say a green card to India? Nobody wants a green card to India from America, I'm talking about. <laughs> Does anybody want a U.S.? The only ones who wants to come from U.S. to India technically are the missionaries who have a burden and the government of India will give them no visa. Though there is a clause called missionary, missionary visa, visa, nobody will get it. They have a burden and they won't be given. So these were missionaries who were going back to a war, ravaged, poor, broken country. And they built it up. Hmm. So that's how burden comes. Yes, Pastor Vijay, we shall pray. Yes, Pastor. Close. Father, we just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you. We glorify you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Father, I pray even now, Lord, comfort for those who lost dear ones, healing for those who are struggling, Lord. Some people we heard today, surgery took place, the eyes were removed because of that black fungus of the lungs. They are stable. But Father, when they come out into the world, it will be completely different, Lord. They would have lost their vision. But I pray in that ICU, there would be a miracle, Lord, for all these dear ones. They would know you. Even if they lose their physical eyes, they would receive spiritual eyes, O Lord, that they will be able to see life as it truly is. Oh, Father, I speak two things. I pray for two things. I pray for salvation for the soul and healing for the body. And Father, comfort the family members who are grieving around this nation, Lord. Around the nation. We hear stories, Lord. The poor do not have firewood to cremate the bodies. Two thousand dead bodies fished off the river Ganges, Lord. Oh, that's just a rough estimate, Lord. They are dying, they are dying, they are dying. There is so much grief, Lord. India has looking like from probably from outer space as a huge funeral pyre, Lord. And there is so much sorrow and hopelessness. Yet there is so much resistance from the administration to the gospel of hope. I pray, Lord, you will break that resistance, break that chain. And the church would wake up and pray and proclaim that these people sitting in the darkness would see that light and this nation would have hope, Lord. Touch our land. Have mercy on your people, Lord. Help us not to be carried away with our petty things. Help us as people have asked that you would lay the burden of India upon us, a nation that is sliding so fast into hopelessness, Lord. Oh, Lord, breathe over this nation. Breathe over this nation. And I commit all the ones from different nations who will be listening, commit them also into thy hands. Heal them, strengthen them. For Lord, you are coming back. Very soon, we do not know when, but very soon, all this will be over. And that's our hope. For God has set a day of judgment and has proved it by raising Christ up from the dead. And you hold the keys of Hades and death. And therefore we are at ease. We are at peace, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Commit the rest of the night into thy hands. Be with your people everywhere. And Father, tomorrow, if you tarry to come, give us another day. 
when we come to worship you, Lord, help us all. In our homes, everyone, to come together, Lord, in your name. May your presence be here, here with us and everywhere your people join. Thank you, thank you, Lord, thank you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.